The dumbass media empire. Touching people while they touch themselves. Daddy, what does that mean? Find out at dumbassmedia.info. Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, number 110, a proud member of the Dumbass Media Network. I'm your host, Brian. Surely we can't forget Mac. And don't call me sure. There we go. Terry. Hey, everybody. Ian. What? Who said that? Green voices. <laughs> and of course, the dumbass himself. I've been training my memory for years. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, the memory is strong with this one. <laughs> well, how is there? I, first, how is everybody doing? I'm doing great. I rode my bike a ton this weekend. Did you? That's excellent. Yeah, it's fun. I have I actually had a, had a good three day weekend with the kids. Yeah, so it's been fun. I have had all sorts of little projects going on. I've been looking for a thin client replacement for for my work for for a long time now, and I finally found it. So I spent the weekend setting up servers and testing that, and then today I rebuilt my firewall because there were some problems, and so I. Upgraded some of the hardware and upgraded the software, and, I, and I'm, I'm getting way better throughput. So that should hopefully help the podcast. We'll see. Oh, is everybody any anything else before we go on? Not really. Okay. All right. Go ahead and uh, and uh, read what you have here, Terry. I was just gonna say, since we're recording on Memorial Day, I think we should just take a minute to remember our servicemen and women who have died in the line of duty. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We really appreciate the service. All right. Well, should we get on to the uh, masturbation moment? Thinking, uh, speaking of service. <laughs> the Amateur Skeptics present Ian's Masturbation Moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Dumbass Media Empire, bringing you content that touches people while they touch themselves. So well, all I've got, uh, what what I've got is I've got a uh, gentleman um, who, actually, the, this guy has uh, won uh, fair, quite a few memory contests, and his trick to memorizing things better is to use dirty pictures and limericks. The idea is that you can attach what what you need to remember to some sort of like a mnemonic device. Yeah, like a mnemonic device, and uh, and it worked very well for him. What is that? The guy's name or is... Or a mnemonic device. Ed Cook. Ed Cook is the guy's name. And apparently he is uh, he's the Grand Master of Memory. One so... of the world's 36 Grand Masters of Memory. Okay. So the article just talks about... I'm not doing a very good <laughs> job here at all. Oh, um, pattern to connect right. certain images to whatever he's trying to remember. His phrasing is raunchy images. Right. Okay, that's what it is, raunchy. And so, but here's... So he's not actually talking pornographic so much as he's talking, um, like, girly pictures. Well, maybe. And whatnot. So here's, here's what his... Here's the uh, example. He takes the pin number 3198 and reinvents a... And invents a... What is it? A wrist... Risque. Risque story. Remember, remembering it as a 31-year-old man with a 96-year-old, 98-year-old woman. And now I know his pen number. Actually, it doesn't say woman. It just says it lover. Just, it just says lover. Right. Okay. So it's just a 98-year-old lover. Yeah. I'm, I'm 
So, but here's the thing. I, like I was that, that doesn't seem like all that specific a way to remember something. It, though. I mean, like it, you're just remembering somebody in their 30s, some, somebody in their 90s. I mean, uh, uh, no matter where they are in their 30s and where they are in their 90s, it seems equally as, you know, risque. Well, I think the idea is that if he thinks of something that he personally finds titillating to go along with whatever he's trying to remember, then he's more likely to have accurate recall on that. Right, but they're That's advertising. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even really that um, uh, that new of an idea either. I mean, if you're using a mnemonic device, if you use something uh, something interesting, something that sticks in your mind, then you're more likely to remember it. That's just common sense. Right. So yeah. for him, making the images um, more risque makes it easier for him. But the thing that, that struck me about this is that you've got to see these images as naughty in some way for yeah. it to work. Well, I think the idea is make it so it sticks. Right. You know, if you just try to associate something common, the common stuff doesn't necessarily stick or pop up. But to, you know, do something kind of, you know, hey, this is a bit off, you know, I, I can understand that. It makes sense. Because you don't remember common stuff. You remember unique off things that are a bit bizarre. You mean like I the wonder, drill dough? Say what? Like the drill dough? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, wonder if engaging, if engaging it as a raunchy image engages different parts of the brain than, you know, just, say, coming up with a you know, the chain has fallen off of my bicycle kind of thing. Okay, sure. Well, I wonder if there's an emotional tie-in, like you're saying, Mac. Like, if you've been socially conditioned to feel shame over imagining, you know, quote-unquote risque <laughs> images, then maybe that triggers a more emotional connection to the thing you're trying to remember. Well, that's my point, is that you that you have to you have to have some sort of a feeling about these images for it to work. If they were just if they were just normalized. You know, um, then it might not have that same connection. So for this man to continue to use this, we must still have a stigma to porn. That's true. It maybe for him it would it would still be well, there. I, I don't just... mean necessarily means to be a stigma. Um, <clears throat> I think it just has to be something just off enough. You know, you know, I, I was trying to think of how to explain that best, but it's not something you definitely want to sit down and talk freely with with any people. You know, you're not just going to sit, walk into a library and start talking about um, wiping a piece of bread on your lover. <laughs> right. <laughs> to remember saucer. You know what this reminds me of? Did you guys see that Seinfeld episode where Jerry had he had like a one night stand with a woman and he was trying to remember her name and he triggered a mnemonic device and he's like. He kept calling her the wrong thing, like Mulva, and <laughs> yeah. and then he was at the end. He finally remembered. He's like Dolores. It's Dolores. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. So it seemed like an interesting idea, but if Max Point is right that it activates different areas of the brain, then it, then it might work better than um you know if these pictures if if it if it activates a different part of the part of the brain that might help. Well, also whether whether there's um, a social stigma against it or not, I mean, uh, this this kind of imagery is titillating, and so sure. uh, it excites certain parts of your brains. And I I can see even without the stigma how that can uh, help you uh, remember things. Uh, you know, like uh, just that it's remarkable, something that excites your interest. So maybe that's the key: is it needs to be something that excites your interest, something that it's got to be some way that you're going to remember it. So does it work in reverse? Like if somebody says the number thirty-one ninety-eight to him, does he get a little get a little? <laughs> <laughs> well, he talks about how when he hears saucer, he kind of laughs and you know has because he's thinking of rubbing bread over his lover's body. So you know he he does say you gotta be kind of careful because it could elicit the wrong responses at times. Well, I'm gonna try it. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll see if it can help me remember some stuff. But I don't think that you know. 
a 31 year old man and a 98 year old lover is gonna is enough for me. I think I got to go further. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that it's a titillating for me personally, but you know, it's each their own. <laughs> Uh, all right. So I, I want to, you know, we, we always had kind of the big of the week, but I want to rename it to the jackassery of the week because like last year, last week's stuff didn't really fall under bigotry, but jackassery, it sure did. Oh yeah. So I, so I want to call this section the jackassery of the week. Sure. Um, you know, considering what we're talking about and how it related to what was happening last week, we could also call this the hoist by their own petard of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so I'm the one that picked the story out for Jackassery of the Week this week. Yeah, this is from the Raw story. The title of it is Virginia Fissel, Non-Christian Public Prayer Violates My Rights Because I Don't Believe That. (laughs) Okay, so everyone taking this this Virginian um, elected guy says Non-Christian Public Prayer Violates My Rights Because I Don't Believe That. I, I want people to take that in, what I just said. Because he doesn't believe in that religion, it violates his right for other religion prayer to be said around him. You know what right he has on that one? He's got the right to not listen and to shut his damn mouth. That's his so, right. Yeah, so that's his justification for why he can go and put Christian, uh, Christian prayer as the only prayer allowed in whatever he's overseeing, is what he's saying. If, if he's in charge, Christian prayer is the only thing that's going to be allowed because he doesn't believe in anything else. And so you can't force him to listen to other religions' prayers. But he doesn't give a rat's ass if he can force other religions to listen to his prayers. Because apparently the freedom of religion thing only works one direction. <laughs> right. That's yeah, freedom for his own religion. Well, but <laughs> yeah. he's but he's not restricting other people from their religions. They still have the religious freedom to pray elsewhere. Right. They can pray in the car or out in the parking lot or whatever to their other to their false gods while he's praying in the public sphere to his god. Doesn't matter if they don't believe as he does, because apparently they're all wrong, he knows it, and in order to make the world perfect, he can't be exposed to other religions. Yeah, the, the argument is that uh, it's a Christian nation, right? So, right. Yeah, and it's not... I, I've heard that argument many, many times, but it's not really not really gaining any traction from being said over again. You yeah. know what, though... It, it Even doesn't matter how many times that, you say it, it doesn't make it the truth. Right. Well, but here's no, the thing. You is know, that, the, the thing is, when they, when they founded the nation, they did have a big concern of, uh, about uh, the tyranny of the majority, uh, of the, uh, right. that uh, the people who are in the majority uh, would uh, take away rights from people who are in the, in the minority. And uh, that, that they, they say, oh, this was founded as a Christian nation. Well, they, they, they had these kinds of concerns back then, too. And the history of religious freedom, especially like the whole thing about uh, secular government came around in like the 1800s when a lot of people were upset that people, that their children were being exposed to uh, very, you know, different versions of Christianity than them. And they, they said, OK, look, we, we should just, you know, like in the in the public sphere in government, we should just keep our um, our very specific religious beliefs to ourselves and try to just be uh, be secular and you know not not put out to use government in order to try and promote our own personal uh, religious views for whatever sect we're in and people get away away from that these days because they're, they're thinking oh, oh we, we just need to promote jesus but then they don't realize okay well once you get that that in place and say like everybody's now going okay we should have prayer in government and uh, government should enforce christianity then the, the people will come out again and say oh wait it's my version of christianity that i want to promote right. And that was one of the reasons they probably did it. But the fact of the matter is, it does not matter 
if it was a, if it was formed as a Christian nation or not. If it, even if it was, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean that it's a good thing to do. And just because we were formed in one way doesn't mean we have to stay that way. And and, and that's part of the problem uh, I have with this argument from antiquity. What what this guy is really on about here, my personal opinion, is he's saying, okay, well, we got our way. Now, what can I feel victimized about next? Well, that's true. Because, <laughs> you know, that is a big occupation in this country is feeling victimized. Back to the um, Christian thing for Christian nation thing for just a minute. Uh, Seth Andrews did a really good takedown of that argument this week on his um, The Thinking Atheist podcast. Just fantastic. He had attorneys and they all kind of discussed the Supreme Court ruling and all of that. It was a really good episode. I, I And I think he did do a good job. I just think that it that we it doesn't matter if it's right or not. It, even if we were formed as a Christian nation, it does not mean that we should stay that way. Well, right? then our, our founding fathers were more or less followed that. You know, they set the Constitution up saying you can change the laws as needed as society progresses in order to be the most effective. Sure. Because if, if we hadn't changed, if in the last 200, what, 30, 40 years, our laws had not changed and progressed, we would be a crappy country. We well, would be we, still live in the dark ages. What do we have, like 27 amendments or something, right? Yeah. Something. And, and that's the idea. It's like, as you need to, you fix the laws to make them you know, stay with the time so that the people get the best government possible. Well, I think progressive is the operative word here. Everything yeah. that I listen to this guy say in his little video that I skim is regressive. Yes. Yeah. yeah we want to honor the past and look at what they did, but we don't necessarily need to say, well, the founding fathers were exactly this way in this point because they had slaves, women didn't have the right to vote. So there was a lot of stuff that was definitely wrong at that point in time that we have fixed since then. And so to say that, oh, just because of the way we were founded is the whole diehard set way we have to stay is stupid. Well, well it's that argument from imaginary history too, right? Yeah. We've talked about before. But here's what here's one of the things that he says that is kind of scary. If we are, if if we're a Christian nation, then I would say that we need to move towards our Christian heritage. That's a terrible heritage. Well, exactly. That there's part of the problem. Well, look at look at look at our original heritage. I mean, we're, then we go back to slavery, right? That's yep. part of our heritage. Let's move back toward you know. Let's move back towards all these outdated ideas. Well, See, isn't there a whole section in the Bible about how to how hard to beat your slaves? Yeah. yeah. There's a section in the Bible about there's a, there's a section in the Bible about stoning people for for um, I think you're supposed to murder a man if he works on Sunday. Oh uh, yeah, uh, you're also supposed to stone your kids if they misbehave too much. Yeah, um, you know, this a, biblically speaking, you know, do how far back do you want to go? Because you know, there's some definite things that our modern society would not agree with that the Bible tells yeah. you to do. Well, it uh, depends on which version you're talking about. It depends on which edition of the Bible you're talking about. Right. Is I it the new that, international version or the King James version? I think version? it's the international <laughs> cherry picking version, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it, it's either the international cherry picker's version or it's the good parts Bible. <laughs> I think his money shot quote in the article is, if we allow everything, where do you draw the line? Like, it's just so right. exactly. Well, you don't. You don't get to draw that line. That's what. That's part of the problem here with, with the, what they're the saying. The best way to do that is to not allow any of it, and you don't even have to have this discussion. Right. There exactly. That's just where the line should be drawn. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing: is that I, I think that we're hopefully we're going to see more of these satanic prayers. Right. People pushing this 
And that is going to encourage them to say, well, we don't want that. So we'll just do no prayer. And maybe that is how we handle this. I love that idea. Yeah. Perfect segue into our next article. All right, let's go. (laughs) Okay, the next article is a Florida town has a choice to make. Allow satanic prayer or violate Supreme Court ruling. Uh, Basically, it's very much connected with the last one, even though completely separate states. Um, in Florida, um, they went through and they got the right to open prayer for their, um, uh, government meetings and stuff. Um, it was allowed, but it has to be open. And so we have, um, a good friend who is Chaz Stevens, who basically over this last Christmas season got his festive pole of Pap's blue ribbon cans put next to the nativity scene. Which I, I tell you what, I... I'm sorry. It's supposed to be an unadorned pole. I have a real problem with this guy. <laughs> the PBR. <laughs> yeah, it's it's supposed to be an unadorned aluminum pole. Damn it! He's not following your beliefs. He's perfectly. not following my beliefs. He's ruining my Festivus pole. He's got to leave enough beer in some of those cans <laughs> so he can get the right tones to make it play. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> so, anyways, he's come forward and said, "Okay, well, I, I want to be able to do satanic prayer at these meetings." And you know, his justification: I just want equal billing. We allow various religious nut jobs to give a prayer. They pray to Jesus, who is make believe; God, who is make believe. Why not sa- Satan, who is make believe? Absolutely. So yeah. it's, you know, they're opening the door and they don't like what's coming through. And it's like, okay, well, we were telling you not to open the door to begin with because we don't want any of it in there. But if you're going to open the door, you have to deal with everything that comes through. I love how blindsided they always are by this kind of stuff, too. It's like it never yeah. occurred to them that there were other faiths. Because, <laughs> yeah, they, they don't believe that there are other faiths. You know, I, they I, are still living in the Dark Ages. Have but have they made a decision on this yet? Um, I haven't seen an update for it, but um, you know, legitimately, it, it's going to be a hard case for them to win because like you know they opened the door, they they got the right to give prayer, and they were told you have to be um open and allow everyone a chance at it. Right. So, so as as much as I don't like the Supreme Court's decision, the one thing that they did do is it said that it, you couldn't discriminate. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know how you can quite backtrack and, well, we want to be able to discriminate now. It's like, no, no, the ruling was you, you get this as long as you don't discriminate. No, no, no. We need to be able to discriminate because we don't like. <sighs> but the previous guy feels that it's discrimination that other regions exist. Yeah. Right. right. Yes. Yes, exactly. But wasn't once again. Part of the Supreme Court's ruling, I think, wasn't there a whole section on. Are you sure you want to do this? No, I mean, are you really sure you want to do this? <laughs> Most no, likely. I, have you thought this through? No, we what really mean, have you thought this through? Yeah, they they clearly have not. Yeah, well, what gets me is, is they get upset at the ACS groups for saying we don't want it at all. But like I said, we were saying just don't open the door. Leave it closed and all's going to be good. And they're like, no, no, we need to open the door. But we don't want to live with the consequences of it. We're like, if you don't open the door, there are no consequences. Surprise, it's not a screen door you opened. Yep. <laughs> the screen door is open to the air, but closed to mosquitoes. This, this is not that door. You know what, though? It, when you think about it, though, maybe the Supreme Court is right. May, I mean, maybe maybe, maybe the better way to, to shut this down is to completely open it up. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the Supreme Court's decision is based upon the fact that, yeah, we have the separation clause, but if... You know, if people want to do this, 
make it available for everybody. No, the Supreme Court decision was based on, hey, we're Christians and we don't like what you were saying about Christians. Well, then give me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm glad that right now humanist and atheist groups are in the position to, it, when this kind of stuff goes through, to be able to make sure, hey, look how absurd it was. We're going to push it and we're going to make sure you realize how absurd it is that um, you've gotten allowed to do this by you know pushing stuff like this through. And I think we're much more vocal and active than we have been, ever. And I think that's a good thing. So let's say, look, you guys are idiots for wanting this, and we will show you why. And I, I think it's paying off, because you know, this we've got, done this kind of story so many times now, and it's exactly what needs to be done right now. We're going to show them. We're going to basically say, okay, you wanted this. Now we will punish you. But it's kind of an escalating arms race too, right? Because as we become more vocal, there's more pushback on both sides. And so it just kind of, it just kind of is escalating in one sense too. Mm, True. But I think it's, I find it funny. I, I just find the whole discussion funny. Yeah, I can understand that. Are we ready to get into some disturbed stuff now? Yeah, let's do some disturbed stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, you, I think all our listeners know our general stance on um, sex, sex education, and you know, the general attitudes towards sex. Um, <laughs> you think they haven't two, gotten it? <laughs> these next two stories, I very much feel, defend our attitude and thinking. Uh, the first one's not so much a story as a collection of pictures showing creepy Christian purity ball pictures. Now, the purity balls, if you don't know, are basically a father-daughter dance where the fathers take their daughters and uh, <laughs> more or less marry them. That the daughters are wedded to their fathers um, until the, the, a suitable husband is found. <laughs> That's more, they actually sign a little card that agrees to that. It's just a property infection. Yeah. Um, if that doesn't sound disturbing to begin with, um, look through the pictures uh, where you have um, a bit odd, you know, yeah, I, I, I understand the bond between father-daughter is probably pretty intense, but um, a father kissing his daughter on the lips. Wait, can we uh, go back first? Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I think that we need to just emphasize that uh, the father owns the daughter's hymen until he gives her to a husband who right. then owns her hymen. That's the property okay. exchange. So let me ask you this. If it's a property exchange, which I, I think we all agree that it is, in fact, a property exchange, but here's where, it's, this, here, here's where this falls apart for me. If the opposite were true and the father made the decision that the daughter was ready to go ahead and give up her, her virginity and he picked person and decided it before the daughter wanted it where does this where does this come down does it work that way it might in that culture it might i mean who, yeah. it's all about women not having free agency. yeah well and the bible teaches you that that the father actually is the one that gets to sell you off and you have no say in it so um I, it wouldn't surprise me if there are pockets of this culture that uh, you know if the father wants to sell the daughter off he just goes ahead and does it the daughter is her his property yeah. Yeah, that's you know what here. <laughs> I don't think that's in the Bible. I, it's, uh, yes, I, it is. You know. Yes, it, it is absolutely in the Bible. But no, I'm not, I'm not saying selling off necessarily as trading the goats or anything. But he finds a suitable husband, and says, "Guess what, dear? I found a guy that I want you to marry." You, I, I bet you there are pockets of this culture where the daughter doesn't have any choice. She's going to marry who the father tells her to. Sure, there is probably. I'm not saying it's common, but I can almost guarantee you there are pockets of it out there. 
Well, none of these dads are going to let their daughter marry an atheist, right? Oh, but they're going to have to have approval no matter what. You can almost be guaranteed that or they will disown the daughter, which is actually quite common in the uh, in more, the more extreme societies that are out there is if the child decides to think for themselves and do things on their own, you know, the family will disown them and say, no, no, no child of mine will marry an atheist. Well, what if you re like <laughs> there's some religions where social shunning and shaming, you know, public shaming within the culture is a, is a means of control. Yeah. So you sure. might risk everything by making, a, you know, a, your own choices in that situation. Yeah. And the fact that they teach their daughters be that submissive suggests that that is in there. Yeah, absolutely. And that her only value is in her hymen. Yeah, what is the deal with the hymen? <laughs> oh, we've already explored the truth about the hymen. Anyway, I know. So it's not. <laughs> yeah. Power and control. That's all. I know. Oh, that's what it's really about. That the hymen is is more symbolic than anything here. So Sorry, the next sorry. the next the, article. Oh, well, wait. You wanted to go pictures. through the pictures real quick, right? Did you want to go through the pictures? Go I ahead. Totally shut that down. Well, uh, here's the thing. I'm looking through the and the, this one where where the the father and daughter are kissing each other on the lips just is. Yeah, like I said, some yeah, of them are creepy. That crosses a line for me. What's that? That crosses a line. Yeah. yeah. The mother, the mother, mother, the father, daughter in like a prom picture. That I didn't find too bad. No, that's um, fine. I know, like my brother-in-law with my nieces has some pictures like that. They've gone to dances and stuff, and that's just them standing together. Yeah, no, that's uh, fine. The that's ones fine. where the fathers are kind of um, holding on to their daughters. Yeah, I, I do that with my boys sometimes. Yeah, sure. Nothing too weird there. Kiss on the cheek, not bad at all. Nope, that's fine. Um, go down, go down. Um, but yeah. these most of these images are pretty innocuous. Yeah, but most then you of have the images are father yeah. daughter stuff. There's but there's a couple of them here two. that are that are really seem like they're crossing lines. Yeah, the, the father daughter kisses on the lips. There's two pictures where they do yeah. that, and that's where you look and go, wait a moment, uh, that's getting a bit too intimate. I mean, there's so a some families do that though. Some people actually uh, do that. A quick peck, right? I, I mean, are these quick? I mean, if this these still. I don't know. It's the context. Of yeah, maybe it controlling is. Controlling your daughter's sexuality that makes them so creepy. Ugh. Yeah, the, the pictures weren't as much as the ideas to me. Yeah, they, yeah, okay. So, but then like I said, the next article kind of takes it to a different level. Um, and now, one thing I want to start off with on this next article is we are only seeing one point of view on this. We're seeing what the kids experienced and their interpretation of everything that happened. So, while I, I'm, I, I believe them. Regretfully, we can't say one hundred percent that is what happened. Yeah, but the well, then we're seeing this. We're seeing this through our own perspective too. Yeah, which is, of course, you know, limited and warped by our own experiences. I'm seeing. Still... I'm seeing these images through the eyes of a father. Damn it! With three daughters, <laughs> this is creepy. So the next article is Christian homeschool dads get girl kicked out of prom because they can't stop lusting after her. So this um, 17-year-old girl who has been homeschooled, her, you know, goes to the homeschool prom. I, you know, a, a basic, um, a setup for so that homeschool students can actually experience that level of the socialization. Um, her and her bunch of her friends, uh, you know, really excited. They went together. Um, see, looked at the rules for um, the dress code, and she made, right? yeah, she made sure her dress was proper length and everything. That she was following the dress code perfectly. Um, she gets to the prom, and right off the bat, um, they question the dress code. And she says, no, no, it's proper. And time and time again, they keep coming up to her and questioning the dress code until finally they um, ask her to leave. And she was not violating the dress code or anything. 
but she's basically a fairly mature 17 year old. She talks about, um, she's five, nine and leggy. Um, and you know, I, Probably an eye turner. If you saw her, you know, walking by in the streets, you'd, she'd catch your attention kind she of thing. She looks like she's a pretty girl. Yes. Um, so her feelings on what happened were, because apparently, and this is actually disturbing, the fathers who are chaperoning this are up on the balcony above it all, looking down on everyone. Oh, they're just trying to make sure kids aren't grinding. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, and that's that the best like... way to keep kids behaving is to watch them from above. Now that's that to me just sounds so disturbing. Well, I'm not yeah, sure that actually. I, I mean, I have to see the setup. Thing, watching from above, like a like a like a gentle godlike father. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not I'm sure. I'm curious as to where her dad was in this. If she was homeschooled, and you know why he wasn't standing up for. Her. Well, and I heard someone else <laughs> raise the point that her date was black, well, and maybe yeah. that was a factor. Maybe. I don't know. But it, uh, her feeling was that um, she was too attractive. And the um, uh, the male adults in the room were finding it uncomfortable to see a young lady that attractive um, there because they were having improper thoughts. And instead of them dealing with it, they just figure get her away so that, um, we're not tempted. You know what? Go back. The, you know the idea that the people are watching from above. I, I'm sorry. If you've got a room filled with people, the best way to survey a room is from a from a higher position. I'm not sure that I have a mm. real issue with that. And that doesn't sound so bad to me. If you want to, if you want to see a whole room from eye level, it's more. It, yeah, but you it's wouldn't put difficult. all of your chaperones up there. And well, no, like probably not. The way I interpret this was the majority of the chaperones were up there just hanging out looking down on them. Well, I mean, maybe they, I, it, what, what was the position? Did they, did they have a room up there? You know, for which, you know, maybe they were hanging out and watching what was going on. I, I'm not sure that I have a real issue with that. I, I, I would need to see the layout sure. for that to really be creepy. I mean, it, I think it makes sense actually. Um, unless there's really something nefarious going on there. I'm not sure that that's an issue. I like her response, uh, here though. She says, uh, in one of the paragraphs, that they quote, um, they quote her in, uh, the whole situation made me feel violated, walked over and ostracized. And again, you know, we don't know exactly what happened. Um, she says, uh, continuing with quote, my group of five people had to leave the prom because I stuck out. I have long legs and I was wearing a sparkly dress. I don't look like most of the 13 to 15 year old girls there. I looked like a woman. And God damn it, I'm so tired of people who abuse their power to make women feel violated and ashamed because she has an ass or has breasts or has long legs. <laughs> that is good. Preach it, sister. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But... Uh, could, could somebody explain to me what exactly finger length... Finger length... Um, if, when you put your arms straight down, At the dress size. has to be past the tips of your fingers. Oh, okay. Or it's too short. Right, but here's the thing is that people's arm lengths vary. That That's what kills me about this is fingertip, you know, if you have short arms, man, that's a short skirt. Or long legs. Or long legs. Well, yeah, yeah I mean... Yeah. Or a long torso, you know, if you, it, you know, <laughs> that, that, it might be, it, it, I don't know, it doesn't seem like a great way to measure them <laughs> to me. No, that's not. Okay. All right. Well, good. So, uh, last week I talked to you guys about, uh, um, about scams that were coming in. And, uh, lo and behold, I got, uh, I got my, f I got a, uh, scam call for a cruise. And it was really interesting how it started out, um, because what it was was a survey. And basically, if I, if I took the survey, I would, I would, I would get a free cruise. And it, and it said in the thing that, um, that, you know, I would respond, be responsible for paying $49 for taxes. And I thought, okay, this is a scam. Yeah. So I took the quiz because what else was I supposed to do? And, um, and so, and then, so I got the call back 
And uh, what the way that I approach this is I was going to get, I wanted to get these guys to authenticate themselves, right? Verify who they were. And so I'm talking to the first guy and, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know who you guys are. And so I have, so, you know, how do I, how do I authenticate that you guys are for real? Oh, well, we're with the Better Business Bureau. I'm like, well, okay, you know, that, that's, that's one thing, you know, but, but how, how do we do this? And so he says, well, uh, you know, I really don't know. I'm going to have to get a specialist for this. So he gets, so apparently he's working with another guy. So he gets him on the phone and he says, oh yeah, well, you know, I, I, I totally understand, you know, that, uh, you know, because there's so many, so many frauds out there, but you can trust us. Well, okay. Because we say we're not a fraud. Exactly, because they said so. As long as you say so. Exactly. As long as you say so. It's like, wow. That's as good as official card allowed to stay in library after closing time. Right. So they tell me that they are, that they're Celebration Cruise Line. So I Google that and I get to their webpage and, you know, and, and, you know, I'm telling them, okay, well, I'm at the Celebration Cruise Line website and, you know, he's like, oh, our website is BahamaFlorida.com. Like, oh, okay. Um, and I'm like, well, but this is Bahama, Florida. It's not Celebration Cruise Line. It's like, well, it says Celebration on on the ship. So I I put the I put the website in here. Um, um, you guys could take a look at that. Look at the site. So this is the site that they sent me to. Was BahamaFlorida.com. It does say Celebration on the ship. It says Celebration on the ship, but it's clearly not a picture of an actual ship. That is, you know, right. <laughs> um, but so two feet from shore. <laughs> right. So I'm looking at this, and and I did look at the of the back end quote uh, code. You know, I brought up um I brought up the source and looked at that. And if if you look at this, um, the login, the the first tip that the for me that well, there's a couple of tips, but the login there there's no way to log in. If you put if you put a name and password in there, and and the you the login button doesn't actually work. The and then there's an order thing. Where they would, but the order one does work, and they will certainly take your credit card information. Well, they also are looking for your phone number, which means they're gonna, if you even if you don't go all the way through it and you put your phone number in, they're gonna sell your phone number to another list provider. Probably, right? Um, Probably. But I, well, <laughs> they might use it themselves. I, I don't know what I don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes here. Um, but one of the things that's interesting is that. Um, uh, so I was looking up, you know, taxes on cruises and stuff like that. And even on a cheap, like $500 cruise, um, the taxes and, and port fees and stuff like that are, you know, like 200 bucks. It, it's, there's, there's a lot of fees and stuff that, that are attached to these cruises. So they're telling me that, you know, even on this website that it's a hundred, um, it's a $1,500 value and they're selling it for 1300. And so you figure the taxes and stuff on that are, they're probably in the neighborhood of, you know, four or $500. Oh, yeah. yeah, for for port fees and taxes and and all the other fees that go along with it. So this idea that it's only forty nine dollars is suspicious. I mean, so I mean, it, it was pretty. This one was pretty easy to identify as a scam. What's this thing down here that says all packages require a ninety minute tour of the host resort? Yeah, well, what this is, what the, these are. So here's the thing: is that this is the what they sent me to, and this, for all I know, could be a perfectly valid cruise company. And what they're they're probably selling, you know, that 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 ninety minute sales pitch to sell you something, right? Like a timeshare, or something a timeshare, or something like that. Yeah. So, like I say, this this site doesn't it doesn't it doesn't scream bogus to me. Well, it does, but um, it could be legitimate. I have no way of knowing, but this is just the site that they chose to point me to. Now, this site has been registered with uh, GoDaddy for over four years. Um, so these scammers that were only going to charge me $49 in taxes sent me to that page. But interestingly enough, there's a number on here, this uh, this booking number, 
And uh, um, so I said, hey, uh, you know, that booking number said, can I call you at that number and get you? And he says, oh, yeah, you can call and get me, you know, and everything. I'm like, OK. I said, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to call you back at that number and, and I'll get you. And, and you know, before we continue, and he says, and that's when he got belligerent with me. It's like, did you take a did you take a, a survey to get a free free cruise? And uh, so at that point, I said, I took a survey to find out what the scam was. Nice. And he t- and that's when he tells me, you know, what, we're just going to move on and get this to somebody that actually wants it and oh, hangs up on okay. me. So that's when it was over. So then at that point, so first thing I did is I called this number back, this booking number, which goes nowhere. Really? Yep. It, the, the, nice. the, 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 if you call that number, there there's nothing on the other end. There's there's no um, there's no automated response system. There's nothing. It's it's a dead number. Wow. And so I called Google, or no, I'm sorry, not Google. I called GoDaddy and, and to try and report this and say, hey, listen, you know, somebody tried to scam me with a site and everything like this. Because when you look up the who is on this, it doesn't tell you who it belongs to. Um, and so it, it but there's, there's nothing that they can do. I, and I have no way to prove for sure that this is a scam. Um, clearly the, you know, they, they didn't finish making the page. The page is, is pretty rudimentary. Yeah, well, um, can you click on anything on the page? Yeah, like, you can. The top stuff works, but I mean, it's pretty basic. But it, when you go to a typical cruise, if you like, if you go to the actual celebration cruise page, there is all sorts of crap going on, right? And 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 of course, it, you know, if you call their booking number and they've got other contact numbers, I mean, there there are other ways to authenticate that they're real. The other thing is that they told me that they were with the Better Business Bureau, so I'm looking up the Better Business Bureau, and, and all I'm finding is that hey, this is a scam. I said, well, all I'm finding is that this is a scam. Well, that's just people who didn't, you know, you know, com- complete their thing and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, okay. And so I'm like, well, wait a second. I don't, I can't find you with the better business. Just, and he says, you just told me you found us with the better business here. Are you lying to me? It's like, whoa. So, I mean, so it's like, so that, I mean, there's another clear indication that this is a scam because when, because when I'm questioning them about these things, you know, they're, they're, they're accusing me of lying, right? And it's like, well, if I was a real customer, you probably aren't going to accuse me of lying. So there's a, there's a lot of clues and a lot of tip offs and, you know, and, and I, and I had a lot of fun going through and, and picking through the information. But what the frustrating part of all this was in the end, there's nothing I can really do. I don't have enough information to actually put a stop to this. No, you're just amusing yourself by, by, by playing the game with them. But right. when it all comes down to it, you can't really, you can't really affect the drastic. Right. All you can do is just. Pointed out to others as we're doing it right now. Right, exactly, and that's uh, yeah. So um, the next one that I got was for a, uh, a fake Walmart gift card, and I and then you know, and of course I'm assuming these things are fake. I didn't actually follow them through to the end, and so I I got a um, a call from um, uh, this company, and basically you know they told me if you're interested in getting it, you know press one. So I press one. And the guy gets on the line and tells me, you know, what I've won and how what a great value it is, and you know, he goes through the whole spiel. And but this time, I recorded the whole phone call. Um, and yeah, he told me, and I forget exactly what it was, but it was the company that he told me that it was. I'm like, okay, and, you know, and so I'm trying to, so I'm looking it up online while you know while he's talking to me, and I'm I'm looking for it, and he says, yeah, and we're registered with the Better Business Bureau, and I'm looking, and I'm like, I'm 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 not finding it, you know, um, and and so finally, um. This guy got, you know, he got, he got mad at me too and frustrated and hung up on me, you know, but I'm like, I'm trying to authenticate who you are. You know, you say with the Better Business Bureau, you know, and that you have all this information and this scam, this one had even less information. 
Um, but I, but this time I, I, I've been building a persona that I'm going to give to these people. So I, I told them that I, um, you know, they asked me for my name and I told them I, my name was Rob Marks, which I got from the real hustle. Um, but I also went and generated some fake credit card stuff. So I, if I get more of these calls, I may go all the way through with them and see what happens. Wow. That's really subversive. Yeah. I admire that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can't, you know, and the problem is that I'm getting these calls at work. And so I'm taking time out of other stuff that I'm doing, but I, I did, but let's say, so I have the recorded recording of the phone call. I might throw it up on YouTube or something, or um, maybe I'll include pieces of it um, in the, in this podcast, but it was, it, there's no real way to catch these people. They are so slick. When you listen to this guy introduce himself and introduce his product, man, they have got it down pat. They they are really good at they sound like they really sound like they know what they're doing. They sound professional, but the moment you start questioning them and saying, Hey, how do I how do I verify who you are? You know, is there a website? You know, can I call you back at an official number? He's like, Well, you got it. I called you on the official number. It's like, Well, can I verify that on a website somewhere? You know? It, it, and that's where things break down, is if you ask those questions. So the simplest thing to do, get these people to verify who they are. Because it's not completely impossible that you'll get a call for a for a free cruise but it's going to be attached to something there's going to be a catch right if there's a if it's a real free cruise like you're gonna have to spend 90 minutes you know in in a in a sales pitch now, now looking through the florida bahama cruise on the better business bureau none of the ones that came up are um uh, what's it called uh, bbc accredited right all of them have an f rating right and it's pretty much the same kind of stuff you're talking about. Is they're, I think they're somewhat semi-legitimate. You might actually get a cruise, but they're going to play all sorts of messed up games with you. And So you get a cruise and they take you for a ride. But here's the thing yeah. is that I don't think that the people calling me to offer me the cruise were – I have no way to know whether they were attached to this website or not. Right. So – but I, I, I must say, I did have a good time messing with them. But, and I'm going to get worse well, with that's them. That's what's important. Yeah, exactly. Think, you know, some of the stuff I was reading is what they do is they, they, they pressure you into taking a cruise you don't want and um, charge you more than you're supposed to get charged. Right. And I think that that's separate. I really think that the call that I got we may or may not have been attached to this website. They may have just found it and found out that since the right. customer service number or the booking number was defunct, that they could just use that. And they, they just wanted to get the card number and, and charge something on it. Right. right. That they're just, they're just, they're just scamming card numbers is really what I think that the two calls I got were, um, were about. Um, and I have, you know, I have the numbers and I'm thinking I, I might as well just publish the numbers that they called from. There's no reason not to do that. So we'll see. Maybe if people come up and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe if the numbers come up, they'll come back to our page, you know. <laughs> sure. And those people that, do, you know, you were talking about how one reason you got phone calls, you filled out the form for it. I don't do that anymore. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. No, hold on. Go back. Go back. I, I a- actually, I already got, I, that was a cold call. That was, that was, that was a call that I got that one, I was, it was a phone survey. I thought the first one you said. Um, no, 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 no. I, out a card no, me. I didn't fill out anything. It was, a, it was a, it was a phone survey. Right. Well, I, I remember one time at Taste of Colorado. You, know, you always have you fill this out and you can win a new car, kind of thing. It doesn't even tell you. you know, all it does is yeah. fill this out. Right. And I did that once, and like the next week, I got a guy calling and say um, from some company. Um, I forget what it was even, and I'm like, um, I'm sorry, I'm not really interested. Like, but you filled out a form at Taste of Colorado saying you were. Right. Like, exactly. Well, okay, I was to win a car. I'm not interested, and I said bite him. I couldn't believe the guy kept calling. 
Yeah, and no, I did. Got to the point where I just hung up as soon as he called. I did the same thing, and but here's the thing: is that the 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 difference is, you filled out a card, and they're calling you to get you to come in for something else. Now they're trying to get you to come. Now now they're trying to get sell you all sorts of stuff. But those really are sales pitches. Those are sales pitches for timeshares and and stuff but like that. You open yourself up by doing that. And sure, sure. But in this case, this guy was overly aggressive. And well, I couldn't yeah. Believe. It's like, no, I explained to you, I'm not interested. Why are you calling me? Right. And you know, he seemed outright upset that I wasn't about to go in for the sales pitch or whatever. And I'm sitting here like, okay, that's just the wrong way to handle it anyways. But you know, just because I gave you my phone number doesn't mean you have any right to harass me. Yeah, well, but you you said it was okay for them to call you when you filled out that paperwork. And usually that's part of the fine print that's on that on that card. But there's a difference because like what I was – those cold calls that I got, you know – I basically by taking that survey i acknowledged that somebody was on the other end right and i knew that i was doing that when i when i got that call but when you fill out that card and you get those calls that's a that's that's a completely different thing i don't put that in that's not a scam right the, and be, and one of the things that's different is that they want you to go someplace watch a sales pitch Right. And then they're going to try and sell you something. There's a product there. And whether or not the product is a good deal or not is, of course, highly debatable. But those, those are not scams. Those are not the same kind of things where they're, where they're just trying to get a card number from you or get your personal information. They want you to be a captive audience. Exactly. Right. And if so, if you filled this thing out and I fill out the car ones before too. And I, I, I got the same thing. for a sales pitch for timeshare. And it was interesting because they seemed so puzzled why you'd say no. And like, well, no, but that, but that's, we'll gladly take the free gift you promised us, but yeah, we're not doing it. And what? No, how, how could you? It's like, no, no, we're done. Can we get our free radio and go? Right. But here's the other thing that, that about those sales pitches. I mean, they are highly effective for that very reason, right? Because they have this attitude, uh, you know, it's like, you're passing up this great deal. And why, how, how could you pass up this great deal? Why aren't you doing this? And that's, that's the sales pitch. That's the hard sales pitch. And part of the reason that it doesn't work on you, I mean, it might not have anyway, but one of the main reasons that it doesn't work on you is that you can't afford it anyway. Yeah. Right. So it's outside of, uh, of your monetary, um, investment value. Right. So, so for you, it's really easy to walk away from that kind of stuff. But for people that can actually afford it, I think it's harder to walk away from them. Especially if there's a free gift or a sample. Right. Because then there's that reciprocity expectation. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm giving you a free gift and you're not going to buy what I'm selling. Who the oh, hell are you? Right, that is the attitude, but that's part of the sales pitch. That's that's one of the reasons that salesmen have such a bad reputation. Not all salesmen are bad, right? But those salesmen are awful. Oh yeah, these guys, you know, it was they were really going crazy over and trying to find all sorts of ways to get us to stay. They're like, no, we're seriously not doing this. <laughs> Right. And, you know, like I get calls from salespeople all the time, right? But they're technical sales. They're actually, they're selling a product that I might be interested in. And, and, and they're not giving me a hard sales pitch, right? It's a different kind of sales. Right. Um, what those people are doing, <laughs> I mean, it's, is awful, I, I think. But like, but not all salesmen are bad. I, I have good salesmen that I work with all the time that I, that I like that don't try to sell me stuff that I don't actually need. But these people, they're using high pressure sales tactics to sell you something that you don't actually need. But they're going to make not, you feel guilty for not. Not all salesmen are bad because some of them are dead. <laughs> There's that too. There's that too. <laughs> 
<sighs> you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting how persistent these guys can be. I know, like, um, one time I was doing research into a certain, like, health energy drink, and I've actually got this re- recorded. I, I, I was just calling up the numbers because I wanted to get some information about some things. And um, uh, one of the guys, he was, like, really, you know, just kept on, like, yeah, well, why don't I just put you down for some and you can try it? I'm, I'm like, no, I, I'm just calling up for, for information. And it just kept them like, well, I'll just, I'll just put you down for some. What, what's your, what's your, uh, what's your address? And I'm like, uh, no, I, I told you, you know, just keep on going on like that. And yeah, they're persistent, but I, that's how they've been taught to make the sale. And maybe it works. Maybe that, maybe they do it because it works. <laughs> I'm sure it does work on some people. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, it, yeah. But it does, in, if it works on enough for them to get paid, then they keep doing it. It's a system of experiment and reward. And as long as they keep being successful with what they're doing, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, you have to figure there's some success rate or they wouldn't be doing it at all. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Or they're new and they're being told this is how we do it. But even though there'd have to be some level of a success rate for them to be told to do it that way. So there's yeah. almost definitely people who give in. Well, it's the same kind of tactics that uh, that multi-level marketing um, uses to get people in underneath them, right? It's the That's same kind of. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's the I same kind of tactics. And in and in that case, yeah, they have a product, but they're not. But they're not telling you to sell the product. They're telling you get people in your downline to sell the product. <laughs> to sell the product, but you don't have to sell the product. You're going to get other people to sell the product. Yeah. But I guess that's when when it becomes a pyramid scam when you're doing that, right? That's the differentiator. The hard part about that too, that multi-level marketing stuff, is it's often people you know in real life, like someone you might have a work relationship with or a friendship with, who are now pressuring you with this scam thing, right. and that adds a whole other layer of um, difficulty to it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I yeah. I got involved, or I almost got involved, with somebody who wanted me to get a large number of people to be buried in a stone structure with me, but that just turned out to be a pyramid scam too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> okay, this one I love because I think we all had the same initial reaction to the title. Okay, the title of the article, A Fear-Mongering Anti-RPG Comic Gets the Film Adaptation It Deserves. And this is from Wired. Yeah, uh, and so like, like I said, uh, um, my mom heard from Ter- Terry, and I think the others were agreeing on this. We all saw this, and the first thing was, "Ooh, this is going to be one we're going to rip apart." I can't believe they're doing this. And um, the article talks about an upcoming movie called Dark Dungeons, <laughs> based off the um, Chick Tracks, which we've talked about many times in the past, um, of the same name. There's basically a Chick Track that I'm, I think we even talked about this one specifically. But there's a we chick did. track called Dark Dungeons that shows how evil Dungeons and Dragons is. And so um, this one guy, I, I love the whole story. He wins like $1,000 in the lottery and decides he wants to make a movie. So he contacts um, Jack. $1,000? Well, no. Here's, here's the thing is that he got $1,000. He says, you know what? $1,000 is not going to change my life. So I want to do something with it that yeah. that, that, that is going to be kind of cool. So that's when he gets this idea to, to contact Jack Chick. So he contacts so I was just going to say he was initially going to offer Jack Chick a thousand dollars for the rights to make the movie. And Jack I thought that's said, what he did. No, no, no. We'll, I'll let you have the rights for free to make the movie. <laughs> and so um, the guy um, goes and gets on. Um, Kickstarter. Yeah, Kickstarter, and starts to raise the funds to make um, this movie. <laughs> this is where it starts getting great. The people he gets involved in making the movie. Are people that have made um, 
movies poking fun at RPGs and stuff, but they're people that are doing it because they love Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. So they're making, you know, they make the movies that poke fun at themselves kind of thing. Sure. And that's who he is getting to work with them to make the movie. And I, I gotta find the exact quote, but there is a great, brilliant quote on it. Because um, basically they're talking about how we thought about just ma- um, making a parody of it, but uh, but um, with how ridiculous Dark Dungeons is, they're like, we don't need to change a thing for it to be a parody. And you can't satirize something that is so far out of touch with reality. Well, okay, but that's the pitch for the Kickstarter. He says that we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna do the we're gonna do Dark Dungeons, um, you know, true to Dark Dungeons. He says because you 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 don't satire this stuff. You don't have to. Yeah, you don't need to satirize things that are already pretty much satire already. Right. We lost Ian. Ian, you oh, back? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I, I it's great. And so what I want to know: Did he get the money for money from the Kickstarter? Is the Kickstarter over? Uh, they, considering they have an uh, actual um, trailer well, yeah, for okay. it. Okay, they raised uh, $12,500. Is that the link for the Kickstarter? But, yeah, uh, they, actually, that was their goal. They raised 25287 So they over doubled okay. their Kickstarter goal. So that is about what um, Kevin Smith did Clerks for. So you have to watch the video. The video is great. The trailer for it, because it is so absurd. I, I watched the trailer before I read the article, so I'm just like, there's no way they believe it. It's like they have a uh, college fraternity party celebrating playing D&D. Yeah, we're going to role play! <laughs> and it's just so like, what the hell? Uh, the whole thing, and then it gets into Cthulhu is real. Necronomicon is real. I'm so like, what the hell is this? And then I read the article, like, oh, that is so brilliant. Uh, so watch the trailer, read the article. <laughs> it, I, I actually want to see this movie. I really do. We actually recently did a thing on uh, a Reverend Skeptic's podcast about uh, the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s. And it's re- really interesting the way they uh, talked about it. Um, there, I think, was it Pat Robertson? I'm not sure. Uh, somebody with uh, the record of somebody talking about Thing, how uh, the pieces of the game, uh, which uh, I assume they're meaning dice, because and they and they contain the letter six, and it's like, <laughs> Most yeah, okay, dice there, do. there's the, the number six. Sorry, the, the, the yeah, the number six is on the dice. That's true. Like every <laughs> single set of dice, dice except for like four sided dice. Right. <laughs> that means that all dice are satanic because they have the six. So counting past six, therefore Satan. Well, actually, last night me and my boys were actually playing D and D. They went to do role playing. And so I pulled out some D&D stuff and we played. So And, what, and at what point did you summon Satan? <laughs> I don't recall doing that, but neither of them had magic abilities. I was kind of disappointed in that. And I didn't pick characters that were magical. No. So, Think about how many know. times, though, you've been role-playing and you roll three six-sided dice and they come up six, 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 and you burst into flames. How many times? Well, actually, I normally celebrate because that means you have 18 and you put that down <laughs> as your um, ability. It's like, that's awesome. Yes, 18. Wait, so you've yeah, never you're burst not, into you're... flames? You're clearly not doing this right, Ian. When you're gaming, when you're playing this game like this, you need to be doing this on a Ouija board. Because <laughs> I feel you should cover your bases. Also, you should probably have a stack of tarot deck, start a stack of tarot cards on the board with you. <laughs> okay, I have to remember that. You yeah. see, any indeterminacy. We wouldn't all be here together today if it wasn't for D&D. <laughs> yeah, true. 
Well, you know, Terry the excluded. Three of us, the, yeah, yeah, Terry. The original, yeah. the original three members. Um, well, the podcast would have gotten started. Yeah, that's how it got started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Terry, so, and, Terry, and dumbass have never actually gamed us yet. But they wouldn't be here. We wouldn't know them if it wasn't for the podcast. And podcast started because we were gaming together. Yep. All right, guys. <laughs> we'll move on to our last story. Yes, Brian's baby. My baby. <laughs> and I expect Brian's memory to skyrocket now. Brian, if this is your baby. Are you going to take it to purity? Ah, <laughs> uh, so I think Brian's just going to have those saucy thoughts about it and be able I, to get his memory working really well. I don't know what company it is, but they have, but they're coming out with an Altair eighty-eight hundred clone, and this is the this is the computer. This is the microcomputer that started it all. This was the first home computer. This is the this is what people you know. This is what hobbyists were, were bringing home and, and and you know and and putting these things together. And this was kind of, you know, the first home PC. It's at least the first home micro microcomputer. Um, it's built on the, um, it's a with an Intel 8800. Now that that was the original processor. This says that the CPU is in uh, 8080A. So in the in the other one is an Intel um, 8080. So I don't know what the difference between the 8080 and the 8080A is. It might just be, but somebody had to make a hey make the processor. So, um, so but this is the computer that. Um, Paul Allen and Bill Gates wrote the first basic interpreter for. And so, you know, they, they called up, uh, MITS and said, Hey, we want to build, um, you know, we, we have, we're building, um, a basic, uh, interpreter for this. You know, are you interested? And they said, Yeah, we'll meet in a couple of weeks. And of course, at the time that, that, that they proposed it, they hadn't started anything. So now they agreed. So now they have to build this, you know, this basic interpreter. So they, so they, you know, they, they build a, uh, um, you know, basically, um, the, an emulator for it and they get everything working. And even as they're flying out there, you know, to show them this thing, they're still finishing up pieces and they didn't know that it was going to work until they actually got it there and, you know, it came up and, and did a memory check. Um, so, but, but, so somebody has decided to recreate this machine and I think it's so cool. And as far as I can tell by reading through it, the, it's still a machine that, you know, you're going to get it in pieces and you're going to have to put it together and wire it up yourself. But this is the machine that, I mean, this is, you know, the, you know, the root of all of, all of our PCs, Mac and Apple started right here with this machine. So I thought it was pretty cool that they brought this back. I love that it has toggle switches and stuff. That's so cool. The original, I mean, this pretty much looks like the original. Of course, you probably had enough memory to hold one phone number in it. The original interpreter, basic interpreter was four kilobytes. That was that was that was how much code it was, which left plenty of, of memory for your programs after that. There's a there's a song where these guys are talking about the early days of computing, and they're talking about by God when they meant when they went to the moon, they went with plain text menu and 32 kilobytes of RAM. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but that that this had even less. The, uh, right. but I don't know. This has it has 64k. But I don't think the original Altair did. I don't know what the, I don't remember these specs on the original Altair. That seems like a lot. 64k. 64k Whoa. seems like an awful lot, considering. Yeah. Um, my Vic 20 was a the original Vic 20 was like a 32 kilobyte, and then they released the Commodore 64, which had twice that amount of memory. So this may not be the exact specs, but I mean it pretty much looks like the box. The processor is pretty much the same. The original processor was a two megahertz processor. This is a two megahertz processor. So 
that's pretty awesome. Um, it, 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 the ports might be a little bit updated too, but it, but you can program it to, I mean, the, it originally had the cassette port because that's how you loaded the interpreter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, but and I was mentioning before the podcast that my VIC 20 also had a tape drive went with it and it had cartridges, which would do certain things like most of them were games. Right. And in fact, the Commodore VIC 20 pretty much you could program in basic and play games. Well, and that's, you know, that's what we're talking about here. Am Same I remembering thing. that uh, the old Ataris were like a cassette type of thing, too? Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yep, they had one, too. Yeah. Um, the, the Ataris, there was also the TRS-800 made by Radio Shack right around that same time. Yeah. But those computers are all, they're, they're significantly advanced from this one. This one is, I mean, 2 megahertz. Yep. Even, even, if, it, even if the original had 64K. So 4K would have been taken up, so you would have had 60 left to build your program. That's pretty awesome. So anyway, I won't be getting one, but I thought it was cool. And they seem to be doing a lot more of this. Um, even with like the old um, game systems, you can actually find clones now that will play the old, all the cartridges. We, In fact, um, I've been looking for a Sega Genesis for a while, and I finally found a clone one that had 50 Sega Genesis games already pl- um included on memory, plus you could put any games in cartridge-wise to play. And so they're doing a lot more, you know, obviously, you know, a bit, you know, flashback for all the people that are, um, you know, th- remembering, you know, the old stuff. But I, I saw a Nintendo one, Genesis one, um, I think I even saw Atari 2600 one. So they're doing a lot more of this kind of stuff. It definitely has a following to, for clones of the old systems. Well, and even... The one that predates that is the PDP-8. And so somebody did a clone of the PDP-8 and um, that looked pretty much exactly like that. And that's a really interesting machine, too, because that, that one is programmed in Octal. So so everything is done in, in you know, like today we, we do everything is in, um, in sets of 16. This one was in sets of 8. So everything. Yeah. Hexadecimal. Yeah, hexadecimal. And this was in Octal. Pretty interesting. You can also machine. find emulators for a lot of uh, old gaming systems online, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, they, the Altair 8800 and the PDP-8 predate all of your gaming systems. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> How about our gaming systems still have far more memory? Well, and quite <laughs> frankly, they have far more use, too, right? Yeah. The people programming these things, these are out of nostalgia. You know, oh, yeah. what they're probably, I mean, they're not quite as useful as your gaming emulator. <laughs> I'll give you that. But the Altair, that is, that is it. That is the system that started everything. 1975, baby. You know, somewhere out there, there's a brilliant Russian kid using one of those Altair 8800s to <laughs> hack your server. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. He's the one with that Altair 8800 making you rebuild that firewall. Actually, he's about that? 50 of them hooked together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> probably does. Uh, yeah, good luck running those in parallel. <laughs> oh, you can buy a parallel interface board. Well, but that's for a parallel car. That's for an yeah, interface sorry. to a device. When I when I when I'm talking about running them, when I'm talking about running them in parallel, I think I'm thinking more of like a cluster where where you run you know multiple machines to to accomplish one task. Parallel processing, computing, a little bit different. So are we about ready to wrap it? Up? I think so. I think we're done. All right. Say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Well, if you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time you're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, 
Let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. You could always roast us in a voicemail at 720-295-7785. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons share-alike, no-derivatives, 3.5 license. So, hand it to an unsuspecting friend, but please, just don't change the content. Enter music by Peter Cannell. Find more of Peter's music at soundcloud.com forward slash P-K-A-N-O-L. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Ford. Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture.